Hey, John. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Good, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. So it's uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. We're going to record this podcast a little bit earlier than normal because we want to get it out there because we know people are traveling for the holidays. Yep. They'll be on planes with their earphones in. They need something to listen to. Nothing like the smooth, sultry voices of John Schuler and Brandon Gore. Yeah. yeah, and this this time of the year is birthday season in my house. So, yeah, we have definitely family, birthdays, holidays. Yeah, it's a crazy time. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. So, let's first tell who our guest is today. It's going to be Justin Stevenson. He's in New Mexico. He's a wildlife biologist, right. but he does a lot of concrete. He does all kinds of concrete products um, for different things, but he was one of our early adopters of Maker Mix. He bought 10 pallets early on, and uh, he's just a really good guy, and he's always hopping on to Facebook or Instagram when we post something and just kind of letting people know, hey, this is legit. You know, this product is awesome. I love it. Yep. And I appreciate that because it's totally unsolicited. We don't ask him to do that. He doesn't get compensated for that, but he just believes in the product. And so um, I appreciate that. Now, I remember when he first placed that order, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this is going to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was just an amazing feeling, too, to have yeah. somebody put that much. I don't know, faith, if you will, trust. So that's uh, that's who we're going to interview today is Justin. Uh, what's what's new with you? Anything? What's new? Yeah. Any news no. from John Schuler? <clears throat> Coming from the back now, just getting ready for the holidays, man. This is a fun time for us. Yeah, this is a really fun time. On the concrete end of things, I I, I don't know if you got that text, but uh, what a really cool thing is hearing from Solomon. Solomon has stepped up some investment in you and I and Kodiak Pro, right? Uh, we have our own warehouse now, and I think our own blender. Yeah, our own dedicated so blending line. Yeah, so that's pretty amazing, man. I mean, that's that's a big move. We did not ask them to do that. That's exciting to see that kind of investment in in a huge company like that tells you where their faith is and yeah. what we're doing. So that's pretty cool. When I first met with them several years ago, my introduction to them was through a guy named Chris Becker. And Chris Becker is now with the Phoenix Group, which is yeah. SureCrete and some other products. But Chris is a phenomenal guy. If anybody knows Chris... He is one of the best people I've ever met in the concrete industry. I love Chris. But Chris at the time was working with Solomon. And uh, I told him, you know, what was going on with Smooth On, with the Buddy Rose product line, how I was having, you know, really bad results. And it was time for me to start doing my own mix. And I was looking for a blender. And he said, well, let me, let me make an introduction. And I met with those guys. And um, they believed in it. You know, I, I told them what the product was, what made it different than everything else out there you know, kind of my vision for where it could go and what it could do. And they liked it and they were willing to take a chance because they don't offer this service to anybody else that I'm aware of. I mean, they're brick form and Solomon. They're a huge company. They have hundreds of employees, but you know, they said, yeah, you know, we have the capacity. We can, we can do this for you. Awesome. You know, what do you think you're going to do? I don't know. Three pallets a month, five pallets a month, you know, for lucky. And now it's, probably 30 to 40 pallets a month that we're doing and, and no sign of slowing down. So I think even on their side, they're kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, this is really taken off and expanded at a much quicker rate than any of us really anticipated, but that's a good problem. I mean, it's not even a problem. That's a good, that is a good problem situation to be in. And luckily uh, we have them as a, as a partner in this 
that they have the capacity, they have the warehouse space, they have the personnel, they have the equipment, they have the expertise to help us scale up as we need to scale. I love Solomon products. I think they're an upstanding company. I think they do really good work. And I'm very honored and humbled and yes. just grateful that we have them as a partner because, like I said, it's just it, it happened because we had that introduction from Chris Becker. And, you know, thanks to Chris for making the introduction because otherwise, you know, if I just cold called on Solomon, hey, guys, you want to blend our product? They'd be yeah, like, you uh, want to make us something? We don't, we, we don't yeah. do that, you know? So, no. Yeah, so that was that was very fortunate fortunate time, and sometimes, in my opinion, things happen in life as they should. The universe kind of makes connections at the right time, right place, right time, and that was one of those instances where it was just right place, right time. Yeah, and, and as part of that, as I say, you know, the faith, the respect, everything that they they're having for us, we certainly have for them. And to have the growth potential when there's other companies certainly sound like they're winding down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. so... it's no secret. Yeah. I, mean, we, I, I was telling you this other day privately, but me and you on the podcast and just in general have, have kind of right. shied away from saying things out loud that everybody knows. I mean, anybody in right. this industry knows, but there's a certain product line. Oh, I'm still going to stick to my... <laughs> staying obscure, but... <laughs> There's a certain product line that a lot of guys used, but now if you call to talk to your salesperson, he's no longer there. He's right. gone. He's gone. And, yeah, he's gone. And if you talk to anybody there that knows anything, everybody in that division is gone. Everybody's mm-hmm. been removed from that division. So when they remove the salesperson and they remove everybody that was supporting that line, I mean, the writing's on the wall. It's, it's not yeah. long for this world. And so if you're using another product line, you've been thinking about using Kodiak Pro, You've been waiting for the right time to make the switch. Today is the right time to make the switch. Do not wait until you call on the phone and they say, sorry, buddy, we no longer make that. Have a good day. You know, or, or if it's just an automated machine that says it because nobody picks up, whatever it is, don't wait till that moment. Yeah, we're definitely going to see where it goes. But on our end, that's everybody. we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> yeah, we're, well, I was telling you, we're like the concrete cockroaches, man. Yeah, you know, it sure feels that way, doesn't yeah. it? The dinosaurs, they came and went, you know, and we're still here under rocks. Eh, little cockroaches. That's what we yep, are. Yep. We're, we're, we're survivors. We just keep going. And uh, that should be on a t-shirt, concrete cockroach. Or I should make, concrete, I should yeah. make concrete cockroaches and throw them in the boxes that ship out. Yeah. Um, but it's true. I mean, that's the thing about me and you is, uh, and, and the brand really is, we're here for the long haul. We're survivors. We've been around for a long time. We're going to be around for a long time. And the good thing is now there's redundancy. Now that you're a partner in this, if I get hit by a truck, mm-hmm. you're still around. You know, yeah. if you get hit by a truck, I probably the one to hit around. you with the truck though. You probably that's will be, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I have a good life insurance policy. My family be okay, so yeah, I'm not right. worried about. There you go. It. <laughs> now the only thing is, <laughs> mean you cannot be in the same vehicle or the same place at any given time. It's like the president and the right. vice president. We have to be kept yeah, separated right. for security reasons, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna start Can't doing training classes plane together right yeah two days here in arkansas then two days in angels camp that's the only safe way to do this going forward you can't come to arkansas yeah. nope yeah nope nope, nope. <laughs> that's funny that's <laughs> true though that's yeah, true that's great what else john well it, it, people listening will probably notice a difference i got a new setup yeah we're we, stepping up we're stepping up well i had been recording 
we'd been using an online software program and it was uploading, but unfortunately my internet here in Northwest Arkansas, we're out in the middle of nowhere, is so bad that the upload rate was so slow that it would garble up the audio. So if you've listened to the past podcast, which I'm sure you probably have, if you listen to this one, you'll hear my audio go in and out and I'll sound like a robot. We have a new setup now that uh, sounds a lot better. And John always sounds good because in California, you have good internet. So your upload rate is better than mine. Actually, that's not true. I have horrible internet. It's some of the worst in the country. I just sound good. Well, there's that too. <laughs> there's that. And if, yeah, if I, nobody knows, I'm putting like a hundred filters on my voice to make it sound good. Cause I normally yeah. sound like I'm, I've been breathing helium. That's my normal <laughs> voice, right. but I, I put all these <clears throat> bass filters yeah. and whatnot. So the I sound. sultry sound yeah. of John Schuler. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah. now I sound I, somewhat, you know, decent on, on a microphone. There you go. Otherwise it sounds like this. <laughs> like, like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah. I just I just took the filters. No, nobody off. knows that really no, though. They don't the realize until they come out to the workshop. Like, <laughs> is that Mickey Mouse? Yeah, that's, that's not the guy I'm used to. I'm like, yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's him. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the real guy. Mm-hmm. It's the theater, man. It's the theater. We gotta we gotta project right. a certain image. I can't go around talking like that. Well, see, then just that in of itself, investment in what we're doing in what we're presenting. So, you know, for anybody listening, you know, we, we continue to invest in the materials. I, I just was telling Brandon, I'm actually looking at a new potential fiber technology that we, that will literally be our own technology for people to cast thin shell forms and et cetera with, with maker mix and so forth. Uh, and we, you know, we have a company investing in, in our growth, something we certainly never expected and we're humbled by. We're investing in equipment to bring these podcasts, you know, to higher quality, further podcasts. and further along, higher yeah. quality, you know, and, and all of this, I just want everybody to know, listening, this is all humbled for us to grow by the investment of this customer base, like Justin, that we're going to be talking to, you know, thank you. Thank yeah. you guys. We really appreciate it. Well, it is Thanksgiving. If anybody so didn't know good, that. It's good to tell people that we're thankful and yeah. we are thankful. We are thankful. Hey, speaking of that, because I said it last week and some guys... Yeah, we might some, send Christmas gifts. Yeah. You never <laughs> right? know. You never Maybe know. some Christmas gifts. You know, it's gifts funny. Out. You never know. I, I bought products from a certain company for a lot of years. You know what I got for Christmas? Nothing. Nothing. Not even a bag of coal. Nothing. Really? Not a Christmas card. Not a thank you. Not a, hey, bro. You know, so, so thankful that you've bought from us for 15 years. Nothing. So, yeah, mm. if, you're, if you're a Kodiak Pro pro level customer um because we can't do all our customers because we'd go bankrupt but if you're a pro level customer look look in the mailbox come christmas time there might be something in there for you because we appreciate you um but Will it be cold it could be cold but at least it's something at least, <laughs> at least it's something something. <laughs> something's better yeah, than nothing there you go. You know? i agree it, it's yeah. so easy to say thank you that's the other thing is you know it is it's yes. so easy Agreed. just to say i appreciate your business you could you could have bought another product you didn't have to buy our product Thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah. And we well, that's do. a conversation I remember having back in Georgia when we had a couple people that were working. Let's, let's just say at some point, even though there was, there was some saltiness. And the one thing I used to always say, and this is where I'm saying now, for those people that think we're sitting here as Kodiak Pro, ICT, doing the podcasts, like this is all about us. 
you know, we wouldn't be here without you mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. So anybody who thinks, you know, sitting on a high horse or our soapbox or anything along that lines, please understand the humbleness that we have for being here is, you know, thanks to having a customer base that believes and trusts in what we're doing. Yeah, so I mean it's great. It is. Which then leads me to a segment, which I probably threatened throw this out because I'm very positive right now, to the haters. <laughs> hey, you guys, well, you know uh, how's this and, gonna go? Let's see, let's see what yeah, comes right. out of John's mouth. I'm just here. gonna say you they know who they are. And at the same time, you know, they they get my responses back when they throw their hate out there. And and my responses always come back very positive. But to the haters, hey man, have a great holiday. Yeah. And whatever you're doing to be successful, I wish we wish you the best. Um, keep it going, because we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, it is what it is. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, and I said it last week, at the end of the day, I don't even care. So if you've talked trash about me, you talk trash about John, you talk trash about Kodiak Pro, okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I still wish you the best. Yeah, and I literally do not care. So, yeah. you know, I get texts from people and, They'll send me screenshots of something. I'm like, yeah, dude. Okay. Like I legit got other things to, to think about, worry about, work on, focus on. My point is, if you're one of the people that has said something or whatever, listen, I don't care. Come buy our product. Come say hello. Come to an event. I'm going to still yeah. be your friend. Well, that being said, yeah, yeah, actually it would be a great time to come up, come out for the demo day we're going to schedule. Studio open house. This- yeah, that's going to be, that would be a time to come out. You, you look, you only have to show up for a day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you only have to act like you, you, you like us for a day. You like us for a few hours. Yeah, you, yeah, anybody can act like you like somebody for a couple hours at least. <laughs> come on. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can bring something to eat and drink and, yeah. you know, just sit over at the side. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> but that would be a good time to do it. Yeah, for sure. Mend Super. broken fences. Let's do it. Yeah. Come on out. What else, John? In this spirit of Thanksgiving that we have. No, I just wish everybody the best. We were talking, this is, this is the time of year in my family that we do, which is much like my out-of-the-box thinking of other things, is this is the time of year we do crazy recipes, come up with our own things, have a little, I wouldn't call it a competition, but like an inner family thing where we all have to bring something new to the table. Like feats of strength? Do you do feats of strength? No. Do you air your grievances? No, not at all. You don't do the errands of grievances? No, no. Is that a time to do it? No, it's a a Seinfeld episode, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. George's dad at Christmas time, he doesn't have a Christmas tree, has an aluminum pole, number one. Yeah, no, and I then haven't seen that. At dinner, he has his errands of grievances where he stands up and he's like, I'm going to tell all you what I don't like about you. And there then you the night, the only way that night will end is feats of strength. You have to pin them. You have to wrestle with them and you have to pin them down. And until you <laughs> pin them down, the night's not over. So that's uh, Festivus is the name of that holiday. Festivus for the rest of us, if, if anybody mm-hmm. watches Seinfeld. But maybe we should have an errands of grievances. We should do that. There you go. Bring everybody <laughs> to the table. That'd be fun. Let me tell you. And then, yeah, and then the feats of strengths at the end. Yeah, that would be a good time. It would be a good time. In all seriousness, in 100% seriousness, there is nobody in this industry that I do not wish the best for 
And, right. you know, I, I can't remember exactly how the saying goes, but it's like, imagine your enemy on the verge of death. How would you feel? I read this somewhere a long time ago. Like, it's to reframe the way you think about people that you have a disagreement with, right? Would you still mm. feel that way? And it's like, no, I wouldn't feel that way. That's the way you should view all this stuff. So, so any of you, I don't wish you any will, any will. I do wish you the best. I hope you're successful. And if we can be a part of your success in some way, or if we can help you in some way, call us. Absolutely. We're happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Yeah, life is way too short. And, you know, we've certainly reached out recently, Olive Branches, to work with people. And that's going to continue. That is not going to stop. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's good times. And if you take the olive branch, great. And if you don't, hey, that's fine too. Totally. Yeah. Whatever. It's not going to stop what we're doing. It's just going to, you know. All rivers lead back to Kodiak Pro. At some point, I'm confident, <laughs> you will come <laughs> back and we'll say, hey, it's good to see you again. Let's work together. Right. Yeah. Let's work together. Yeah. Absolutely. But that being said, man, no, I've got birthdays. Uh, tomorrow's my son's birthday. So that's exciting. There's a big 14. Nice. Yeah, daughter turns 16 the day after Christmas. So, yeah, that's a, it's a fun time in, in the Schuler household during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, do we want to get Justin on the phone? Let's do it. Let's give Justin a phone. I, I really like Justin. We'll I love see. Justin. All right, let's call yeah. him. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hello, Justin. Hey, buddy. <laughs> morning. Good morning, dude. Look at this. I got a new setup for the podcast, and we got a phone hooked up. We got a computer hooked up. We got microphones hooked up. It's like we're nice. It's like like Howard Stern, or uh... hey, we're going big time, big <laughs> yeah. time, Justin. Big time. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, Justin? It's going good, man. I'll, I'm uh, going to be happy when 2022 gets here. I'm hoping for like a midwinter break where nothing has to happen for like a solid 30 days, but this has been a crazy year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so before we get started, tell us about you, uh, where you're located and, you know, a little bit about Justin Stevenson. Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I, um, moved to New Mexico around, uh, 2000 and five um so we've uh, been here a while now um but we actually uh moved up to uh glorietta just recently um to some land to kind of build a house and uh her and i are both former federal wildlife biologists so we kind of moved around the country from uh where we met in utah to michigan to oregon and then down here and um most of life, our basic business and whatnot is, is still wildlife management. When we left the government, we, uh, went into that, weren't sure if we could make a living at it. And that's been really good to us. So, um, concrete stuff was sort of like a side project at some point that came along or a side hustle, if you will, <laughs> in more modern terms. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we love New Mexico. We don't plan on ever leaving kind of found a spot that we like for a lot of reasons, including the climate, um, but also just the uh, wildlife we work with and the other things we do. And uh, it's been a good place to sort of develop, uh, you know, working with concrete too, in terms of being able to find a shop and had sort of some luck with a organic relationship with a 
uh, friend we had for a long time and I needed a place outside of our two car garage where we were <laughs> originally trying to, to cast, uh, which was bad for a lot of reasons. And, uh, we managed to find, uh, our first shop through somebody who was charging like, uh, just a scant amount, uh, due to the fact that the rent had been the same since her late husband had passed. And so, uh, she never cared or needed really the money. And so we were able to get a, like a 2000 square foot shop for about 700 a month, which is a uh, probably minutia in terms of the details. But, um, as we all know, some of those things can really change your, uh, ability in terms of space and and finances and whatnot so uh that was kind of the first place that led us into having some room but um but yeah we've moved around the country kind of settled into new mexico plan on staying here i was listening to the last podcast uh with the guy from alaska who used to live near santa fe and was thinking uh you know yeah this is a this is just a neat area it's a cool place to live so you've been you came to a class didn't you I did. I did. And, uh, and I was thinking this morning after you texted, you know, I want to make sure that I, that I point something out about my tendency in a class like that, because I, I did it in that class. And I wish I hadn't is, uh, to really, you guys discuss it, that you wish the folks would really get involved. Like in this last class, you had pretty much everybody was involved. Nobody was hanging back when I don't know how to do something. I am totally that guy. I'm very self-aware of it, but I want to hang back. And, uh, you of course were good enough to tell us all, you know, you're welcome to, uh, take cell phone video, whatever, as long as you're using it for your own use, you know, after the class kind of review what you learn. And, uh, so at the time I took like, you know, a bazillion videos and switching Mac platforms, um, a couple of times I got to the point where I looked one day and I had zero on a bunch of the videos, meaning they had been lost in terms of the content. <laughs> and and a lot of it lost, right? Even though visually I was right there looking at it and I, you know, was engaged to a point, I wasn't really putting my hands in it. So, so my pitch, you know, for anybody listening that hasn't gone to a class would be that if you go, just do it, just uh, get, put your stuff aside and, uh, you know, get after it. Um, I, I, I did end up being able to recover a whole, a whole bunch of it. So I do have a lot of the videos, but yeah, I went to one of your classes over in uh, uh, Tempe, and uh, um, and I was uh, at that point I had taken uh, one prior training, you know, from another company, maybe a year or so before that, and I'm not honestly sure how I tripped onto your stuff, other than I think we might have started to use Buddy Rhodes, and uh, um, and so at the time, uh, you know, uh, went to your class off that, um, but. Uh, wanted to learn it. You were close to us in New Mexico, you know, being like a six and a half hour drive, no big deal. Um, you know, when you're in the Southwest, <laughs> that kind of drive is nothing. Um, so uh, was close by and, and yeah, enjoyed it, really got a lot out of it, but I could have got more out of it or I would feel more skilled now, um, you know, than I am if I had been more engaged. Um, you know, I was fully engaged, but yet doing it through the phone, which was a poor way to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. And that's Agreed. something we tell everybody is get involved during the class. You think that recording it is going to be better, but at the end, it's not. Yeah. Get involved, get your hands in it, really understand, because a lot of it is feel. You're, you're going to see how the mix feels when you're mixing it. You're going to see how it feels when you're troweling it. You're going to see all these things, unless you actually experience that tactile sensation and that experience, yep. then it's not going to click. And then the second you get home, 
make something. It doesn't matter what you make, but that will solidify what you learned. I, I totally agree. And I think that was uh, probably one of the other things for us that's been difficult over the as we've tried to sort of build our concrete business, we've had to put the money into it out of our uh, sort of pouring gas on it out of our normal company, if you will, uh, funds wise. And so I'd have to run back to a bunch of our normal work, which luckily was coming in, but I would get out of the shop for a while. And, and honestly, I've found that even, even now, if I'm out of the shop for say three weeks or a month and I haven't done anything, I haven't poured any concrete. When I come back in, I have sort of a, a lack of confidence. And then I get the first batch in and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is cake mix. Cause honestly using this stuff, this new mix that, that you guys have, has been very much like that. Like I know all I have to do is put this, this, and this in, have my ice at, at you know, at the right temp and, and our shop at the right temp. And, and I'm seeing predictable, you know, logical results every time that builds my confidence right back up. After a few days, I'm saying to my wife, like, you know, yeah, this is, this is outstanding. It's, it's uh, working great. And, uh, you know, I don't even have to think about it, but I lack that confidence. When I first go back in the shop, I'm thinking like, oh man, I got to get all these things together. But in the end, it's just a couple components and, you know, and we're on down the road. Well, Justin, thank you for that comment uh, regarding the workshops. One thing that Brandon and I continue to strive for and continue to work, you know, it's, it's all practice is getting better with the hands-on, getting better with the experience, getting it better for everybody and their experience. So there was a time, you know, probably when you were there years ago where someone, I'm going to say we allowed them (laughs) to stand back and just do videos. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. In fact, I tell people, at least on my days, you're going to have your hands in it. And if any, and I like literally look around to see somebody hands in the pockets or like stepping back and, and I understand, trust me, I do understand. And it's that person or persons that I will target and I will, you know, hand you a tool, well, you know, a mag or whatever. Um, and then I, I always get that look like when I put it in their hands and then they kind of like shake their head, like, well, okay. (laughs) Um, But that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, I, it, it's yeah. a big part of it, as you're saying. I mean, it's, and, and here I'm talking about a tool, but I'll do as much as, you know, hand them the hand mixer. Like, and then I'll look at them if they don't have gloves on, like, hey, man, you, you probably want to get some gloves on. And then right. I'm, you know, I'm reaching into the bucket and handing them a handful of mix and, and then having them place it because so much of those nuances, and I'll give you a simple example a cast in place. If you were videotaping, so one of the things I always get from from people is I'm going to call it air bubbles. They'll get these air bubbles in the surface. I'm like, John, I just don't understand what those air bubbles. And I'll say, well, that's from your placing. Because when you're placing the mix, at least in the style of mix that I work with for upright casting, if you don't place it in a certain way, you can trap space between, let's say, handful one, handful two, and so forth and so on. So in that particular incidence, if you didn't have your hands in the mix and you weren't placing it in the style that I'm showing, you'd be calling me once you get home, like, man, this is weird. Why do I got these, you know, so it it looks like my surface has chicken pox, you know, these little bubbles everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Uh, So, yeah. So my point, thank you for that comment, because a lot of people don't realize how important getting in 
And I, you know, I realize we all have our personalities. I get it. Yeah. But in this case, yeah, it's it's got to be all in. It, it makes a big difference, I guess is what I'm saying. It, I think it makes a huge difference. And if I think back in life, the different skills, you know, even in my normal field, you know, I had uh, like trainings from wildlife veterinarians on like necropsy. And if they hadn't made me put my hands in there and I had just stood back and taken notes, uh, I wouldn't have been able to find lymph nodes. I wouldn't have been able to accomplish, you know, what I was learning. And right. it's kind of the same with every other task. You know, I, I uh, worked my way through college doing hardscape, uh, landscaping, you know, like flagstone patios, things like that. And at some point became an irrigation foreman. And the guy that taught me was like a saint. He did, you know, I mean, I had so many foul ups that I can remember but he pretty much put a torch in my hand and had me sweating copper and stuff, you know, like immediately and yeah. ne never said, watch what I do, just literally did it and watched me. And then, you know, I, and I never forgot that stuff. And it's of course been a good asset as a homeowner, <laughs> but yeah, you there know, you go. Yeah. But all, all these things, I mean, I, cause I vividly remember, I mean, I remember standing in his shop in Tempe and thinking to myself, you know, yeah, I'm just going to capture as much of this here and as much in my notes, which I took lots of notes. And I look back at the videos and there's some really cool clips and they do show some great stuff, but they weren't as long or as informative, right? I wasn't there as a professional cinematographer, you know, trying to capture all the detail. I was watching with my eyes and holding my phone up at the same time. And, and it really then, you know, becomes lacking, you know? So, uh, right. so yeah. I can't say enough about if folks, you know, invest in a class that they should certainly, uh, yeah, jump in, you know, whether you're pushing them to or not. So you said you started off with Buddy Rhodes products and then uh, you were one of our early customers for Kodiak Pro. Well, you had a really big project and you needed 10 pallets of mix, but you wanted it for the project you're working on. You wanted it to be gray. So we had it custom made, but that was you were one of the very, very early adopters of Maker Mix. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna skate you back a minute because we uh some so my wife and I in the trading spaces era and when people were still flipping houses, our first ever concrete we threw into a mold was after buying um after seeing somebody do a concrete countertop like on a TV show, basically, right? And uh and my wife loved the idea of it as part of this modern flip we were doing, you know, our first ever and right before the bubble, you know, burst. Um and those concrete countertops are still in that kitchen. I looked on Zillow, you know, about once a year I look because the houses are like skyrocketing still in, in Portland. And it's still a feature they talk about is the vanity upstairs, which is concrete, which we did, and the uh, concrete countertops, which were poured on top of Ikea cabinets. And with the 5,000 PSI out of the store, add, add some gravel. And, <laughs> and we did we did all that at the time. And I thought we were insane because you're literally pouring liquid concrete on top of these cabinets. But apparently it was all right. And, and it's lasted. But um, we originally from there, our first intro, I think was Chang. Cause we had his, we had his book and, and at the, so I went and took the, the training right when they were at the interface of, of getting involved with Surecrete and having Surecrete produce their product. So I went to their training in Florida, um, cause we felt like we needed some more skills on how to use this kind of stuff, this medium and, uh, to do what we wanted to do. 
And so I went and took that. I can't say anything bad about it. It was really a great class and, and I enjoyed it, enjoyed the instructors um, and went home. Um, I think we knocked out one of their one of their benches through a referral through them, you know, which was his design, you know, like the the typical bench. Um, but then we got down the road a bit. And and again, I don't know how exactly we got flipped on to Buddy Roads, but we started using the Buddy Roads mix. And then uh, when uh, we needed that big order from you to leap ahead a bit um, in between there, we had done fish stone. We had, done, you know, I mean, I've got I've got jugs of stuff sitting around in here for like crack reducer, you know, like a hundred. You know, it's not a hundred, but there's probably 20 jugs of different things sitting around in here. There's bottle paws on a full pallet. You know, I mean. I've got stuff stacked up in here that we've never gone back to again. And when we needed that order from you, I think I had called you because we were in the middle of trying to get, um, I had a question for you, actually. I didn't even know you were making your own mix yet. And, uh, and I had a question for you. And at the time the, the BR mixes were now going under smooth on and Reynolds, which we were buying our rubber from them and stuff to, you know, get into mold making and stuff. So it seemed like everything was going to dovetail nicely. But, um, I had talked to John before I talked to you, of course, many times, especially with the training we had taken, um, and also Jeremy French. Right. Um, and, uh, all for like tech tips about what we were trying to do with that mix back then. And then suddenly one day when, when we needed this big order and they were trying to find enough pallets to fill it themselves. And I had those same tech questions I was calling and, and I'm going to be just straight truthful about it. I wasn't getting the same guys on the phone anymore. I was getting guys that I could tell I knew more about it than they did. And that was a scary thing. I thought this is, this is not okay. And I'm sure they've worked on that and whatnot, but, but I did say this recently cause I needed some pigment. And they so I ran away. They haven't worked. What? On it. They haven't worked on it. <laughs> no, no, they haven't. And, but you know, I don't, yeah, I don't want to interrupt too. They, they yeah. haven't worked on it. And just the opposite. They've gone backwards. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and I'll, I'll say that smooth on rubber sucks as far as rubber. That's what, that's a conversation <laughs> mean you had was you were asking about (laughs) rubber. And I said, for the love of God, if you're doing a cosplay mask for Comic-Con, yeah, use Smooth On. If you're making professional molds for rubber production, use Polytech. It's night and day difference. So anyways, I I don't want to jump on you, but... That, that's all right, which is what I'm sitting next to, of course. I'm sitting next to, uh, you know, we cranked out these panel molds that we needed at the time uh, because after, well, uh, well, let me finish up. So that, so basically the the order we needed from you, I called and was having a discussion. And then you said you had your mix and, you know, I had never not since the class been, you know, looking to you and the people associated with you, like John, as, as the product experts, um, you know, and I know Jeremy separated from kind of the industry in, in general. I remember one of the last conversations I had with him um, and he was always great about, you know, offering up stuff. Suddenly I was faced with not having the same feel of confidence. And I needed that because I'm a wildlife biologist. I'm not, I'm not an engineer. I'm, I'm not a concrete guru, right? So I'm trying to get into this and spend some pretty serious money for our level of, of business on these pallets. And, and I wasn't having it. And, and just recently, like three weeks ago, I needed a bucket of pigment. And so just some pure pigment. And so I called over, we have a Reynolds, um, here in Albuquerque now, just a little shop and they mostly get their stuff out of the Phoenix store. And, uh, um, and I said, Hey, do you have any of this? And turned out they had a bucket. And when I was there, you know, I was like, yeah, we kind of thought you dropped off the map. And that was for two reasons. One, I started buying the 
Vitaflex and, uh, um, which I bought the barrels through, through you originally, you know, um, and, uh, and the other was we started buying our mix from you. So the last order I was going to put in with them, we canceled. We got the order from you, which was like the first off the press, I think, in the white bags with no labels yet. And uh, and so I got that truckload out here. And yeah, that stuff worked great. And, um, you know, we just, yeah, we've been down the road since I don't know how many pallets we've gotten since then. But um, I, I want to say we've got to be uh, getting up there, you know. <laughs> Yeah. quantity. And you, yeah. you said something, just to clarify, you said, uh, you're buying Vitaflex from me. You're buying, uh, Polytech 7445, not Vitaflex. Yeah. Vitaflex. Yeah. Yeah. Is, very sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's horrible. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I have, I have the, yeah, all the Polytech stuff and, uh, um, haven't done any rubber in a while. So in terms of, I've got a bunch in a room, including those barrels. Cause as I told you by the time I talked to you about, you know, getting ready to do those molds, I had their barrels long enough that I was pretty much either stuck with them or doing a restocking fee and shipping back from where we were. And it just wasn't worth it. So just figured we'd use them for knockoff stuff and, and whatever else down the line. But, um, we ended up building, you know, um, our main product, uh, you know, is, is kind of equivalent to like a four foot long, um, countertop or table, um, coffee table, if you will, with integral texture and things like that. And we ended up making some really, uh, hyper built frames for those so that I could essentially roll these frames off and maximize our shop space, which at the time was a lot smaller. And then we lost that shop. Um, cause the nice lady who rented it to us got a good offer to sell like three of the buildings her and her husband owned. Uh, but she said, Hey, I've got this old machine shop too close to the Sunport. You know, if you want to see it, and I went and looked and it was beaten, you know, senseless in terms of, uh, the guys that last had it you know, had a sweet deal and then treated her poorly and ultimately got evicted. But the, you know, the shop was beat, but for concrete, you know, honestly, it didn't matter that much. And, uh, so we now have like a 3,500 square foot place that I can't fill out. And so my need to roll these frames around is, uh, no longer necessary, but it still makes it useful. I can basically stack all these up in a corner they're all on casters they all wheel out of the way so if you can imagine pouring countertops that a lot of guys do i can actually roll like 16 countertops over in a corner and and uh stow them in an area that's about 10 by 15 so it's it's a um and we pour on end which is something i mentioned to you guys you know online the other day we're casting these things lengthwise so from the top i'm pouring in the mix has to go to the bottom we're pouring through a very thin slot using the SCC GFRC recipe and, uh, you know, some mild tweaks because of the, you know, what we saw we needed, but, um, just in terms of quantity of, uh, TBP, that kind of thing. And they're coming out really flawless, like the lines, like I really wasn't looking that closely for a while. And suddenly one day I was, you know, stripping one of the forms and just like, these things look ridiculously good. Like any defect they had was because of my form language, right? It was my rubber. So basically the product was reading perfectly and I wasn't getting, you know, bug holes. I wasn't getting pinners. It was, you know, um, even up at the very top level where you're done with your pour and it's, it's basically full up at the top. I still have a very clean, uh, upper surface. So it's, it's been amazing. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, by the way, because you're always very vocal online about 
your success with Maker Mix. So you're always on different posts telling people like, hey, I'm not a paid sponsor. I'm telling you like this stuff works. And I appreciate that because that goes a long way. Because me and John, you know, will always tell people how great it is. And we truly believe it's great. Right. But people think yeah. <laughs> oh, they're just they're just saying that. They're just trying to sell a product. Right. But to hear it from somebody like you that's an actual user of the product day in, day out. Or similar to what you just discussed. Yeah, you got a shop full of stuff now. You got, you know, your shelves full of things that and all these different ingredients or admixtures were supposed to be all these things you needed to use. And now you're down to something that goes, yeah, no, I just, you know, I need a bag of this and a, some of this powder and fiber and water. I don't yeah. need all these things anymore. And then that, be, before I go down that, thank you, Justin. Thank you, seriously, for being, you know, one of the first customers and one of the first people to truly, you know, to believe and, you know, take a chance on on this company and they're, you know, bringing what we say is a new level, but of course it doesn't become a new level until you're using it. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. It was a big leap of yeah. faith for sure to, to buy 10 pallets of a product that nobody had used, Right. you know, like, yeah, right. I'm gonna take your word for it. That's good. And we're like, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. But you got to trust Yeah, it, When you put it that way, you know, it may have been too much blind faith. You know, my wife might've, <laughs> we knew, we knew where, you know, we knew you were in this industry. So you guys, you guys say a lot, but I think it is truly important, right? Like, uh, even in my main field, like, you know, I, I do mostly wildlife exclusion in my work. And that started with like people's homes and log cabins. I now work on interstate highway bridges. I went over and saw the Coolidge dam, which we're likely going to be working on next year, um, for a bat project. And, and like, so, so I see these somewhat elite sized structures now in what I do. And, and there's guys out there, you know, that are telling folks, you know, here's how you should do it, or, you know, here's the materials you should use. And it's different stuff, but it's like sealants and things like that. And, and the techniques and the timing, and they don't actually know what they're talking about. And, and so, you know, I knew you knew what you were talking about. I knew if you decided to make a mix, because I also knew you had not only a personal, but a professional relationship, uh, both you guys with, with buddy and, and that product line. And, and I could see myself, the corporate transition of that line being bought out, you know, and, uh, and it, it did not, it did not sit right mentally. Like I wasn't having the same confidence. So after taking your training that built a certain level of, you know, yeah, I know this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, anybody that talks to John for five minutes <laughs> knows that, that he knows more <laughs> about the engineering of these things. And, you know, from not only the sealers, but, you know, we're talking fiber, you know, like just two little texts and you, what I'm finding is product works. Um, I'm currently playing around with some long forms. I'm not even adding pigment in right now because I'm just trying to play with kind of a new concept. And I went and looked at the basic recipes again the other day, because again, we have one that works for us that we've been using since you first started, um, you know, selling us that first load. And so when I'm doing our one product, I'm using what we've found to work perfectly for us. When I'm trying something new, I'm basically just going to use your recipe and, and go for it. And I threw these in and like, the thing was beautiful. Everything, you know, came out the way it looked to. And, uh, and I had no problems and I'm thinking, okay, I've got literally my fiber, my mix and my TBP, and then it's just ice and water. And it's, you know, again, it's like cake mix and, you know, who doesn't want that to be as simple as they can, because I'm not necessarily in that artisan category. I feel like with, uh, with a lot of the guys who are doing stuff for, for the kind of clients they are, 
but we want our product to look really good and, uh, and also have the structural stability and everything else that comes with, you know, using fiber and, and using a good mix. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not seeing any of the issues that I know we fought with and the differences where sometimes I would just be thinking, you know, this must be me, which it could have been at times, of course, like we all know there's human error has been discussed in pretty much every single one of the guys you've had on, you know, mentioning when you have more guys in the shop or even when you're tired yourself and you're not paying attention, you might miss something, but this does simplify it to a point where there's very little you can, you can miss, you know? So I, I appreciate that because our lives are busy, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to hit on something you said, and just so you guys know, my uh, batteries died on my recorder here midway through that. So I had to, you didn't know it happened, but I had to change the batteries. So it's going to be like a 20 second gap in audio. But, but what I was going to say is you said, if anybody talks to John for two minutes, nobody talks to John for two minutes. If you talk to John, that's a two-hour conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and if you text me, yeah, you, it's forty you text. It's you'll stream get, of consciousness. Uh, yeah, it's it'll one be text twenty after or, another, after another, after another. Per sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. Know, and I, I am absolutely a get the hook guy. As much as I'm the guy sitting in the back of the class, like once I know people and I'm comfortable with them, um, you know, you can't shut me up. So I'm not, I'm of the same cloth basically. And, uh, and I also had to laugh at one of your first podcasts when you were telling John to sit down or sit still because you could tell he was walking around oh, his yeah. shop. Yeah. I sat yeah. in a stool today purposely to make sure I didn't wander around because my wife will usually be looking at me on a conference call. Like, why are you moving? Why don't you sit down and just talk to these people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why do you need to touch everything in the shop while you're moving? You know, John's a pacer. So, he yeah. paces back and forth. His yes. arms going wild. He's pacing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to hit a couple other things because we started talking about it, but then we stopped talking about it. But it's something yeah. I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And because I get a lot of these questions privately and I was telling John, you know, like we've been kind of politically correct or whatever. We've just been playing it safe with the not say anything, but the truth of the matter is smooth on rubber as rubber for what we do as an industry is not the best rubber. And I don't sell smooth on Polytech. I'm a dealer, but I don't care if you buy it from me or not. The margins are near nothing. So if you buy it from me, I'll make 20 bucks. If you don't buy it from me, whatever, not the end of the world. Polytech rubber way back in the day, Hiram Ball, who used to have a company called Ball Consulting, was a Polytech dealer in Tempe. And Hiram Ball espoused the absolute quality of Polytech. He would tell everybody, Polytech is the best rubber. And so I started using Polytech and I've used Polytech 7445. I've used all their different durometers, but 7445 is the, you know, kind of the workhorse. It's a yellow rubber. It's a urethane, a 45 durometer, but it's their workhorse uh, rubber. I've used those for concrete molds now for close to two decades. I have molds I made originally in 2004 that are still pliable, still usable today. And I don't store them in any special way. They sit on a shelf, you know, they get covered in dust. They're not like stored in some cryogenic chamber of some sort. And they're still pliable. Now, if I use Vitaflex or any of the smooth on rubbers, and they've sent me tons to test, every one of those molds after weeks, um, sometimes months, but usually within weeks, start to fall apart. They get gummy, they, they crack, they dry up. And it just is what it is. It's fine for guys doing one-off pieces. Like I said, like, I think their main market is cosplay type stuff. You know, if you look at their videos online, it's all how to make a mask or how to do this. And I think that's their main demographic and that's great. I mean, you know, if that's what you're doing, use it. But if you're a production company, if your livelihood relies on 
longevity of the mold because it takes a lot of time and money to make a mold. As you know, you've gone through this process. Yep. You want rubber that's going to stand the test of time and stand up to the conditions of casting concrete and smooth on is not it. Anyways, that's my two cents. Well, and, and you know, um, on, on that note, um, uh, just to tie it off as the customer end of things, for me, you know, we were going into that very blind and naive. So it's just like product A versus product B, like who are we buying from? And, and we knew the other one existed and I never understood why they came from like the same town, you know, in the country, <laughs> in the same place, basically in Pennsylvania. And I was thinking, this seems so crazy or so weird. And, uh, you know, our only experience when, when we first decided to make, um, you know, a, a product, we invested into design, um, had some CAD folks, you know, get into it. And, uh, and then we had this company that was using a 3d cutter, um, one of the main marketable ones out there. And I doubt the folks are still in business. Um, but, uh, when not the cutter folks, they certainly are, but, um, the people we ended up contracting were, um, in another state and, you know, they were all about it said, Oh yeah, we can produce these. And what we didn't know was a lot about rubber. Like we didn't know how long you'd have to have to wait after you, um, you know, made your mold to let it cure so that you wouldn't pull part of it away when you cast concrete into it, for instance. Right. And, uh, um, and we had, you know, those issues we also had with our first molds, which we spent about 12 grand on with this company, um, out of state, they actually created, um, negative draft, which is a term that's stuck in my head forever now. But at the time I had no idea what that was. And I finally showed this local guy who's done lots of work for us since with lots of things we do, um, you know, on side projects. Um, but he looked at it with calipers and stuff and he's like, well, they created negative draft. So if you can imagine us trying to get our panel out of this mold, it had bent corners. So it was like trying to get a cake out of a cake pan without breaking right. it and everything was bent in. Right. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure that clicks for guys, you know, that do lots of this stuff, but to us, it didn't at the time we were like, no way. And they were telling us, well, maybe you're not using the right release agent. And so we've, <laughs> we, we've, we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and it. So, yeah. So I can tell you, like we ended up buying release agent from some crazy company in Michigan. Cause we were just like trying to throw anything we could at these molds and make them work. Um, they had built them just, just in a bizarre way that didn't work. And we didn't know enough about concrete at the time. Turned out they hadn't been that far down the road with rubber and, uh, and a very short period of time. Uh, and I'm pretty sure this leads around to, again, those qualities of the two different rubber companies. Um, those molds started degrading and it was fairly rapidly. And we were being told like, well, you should up front when they were selling us, you should be able to get a hundred plus castings, you know, out of each of these before you might need to start replacing them. And I was finding them just immediately, you know, um, breaking down on us in a very short period of time. Couldn't get things out. I was using a pry bar and a hammer every day I'd go in and I'd slop more release agent on and I'd, I'd go thicker and thicker, pour the concrete, couldn't get it out. It was, just, it was just a nightmare. And so, you know, it's been a long battle. So what, so what I look at is it, it, it is the things like, you know, when somebody has been in business and doing this for a living, you know, I know I can, you know, have a better feel for trusting that person. It doesn't mean we all know there's folks who, you know, 
will sell off, uh, you know, yeah, I, I know how to do this. I've been doing it for 20 years and they may be selling something in any vein of life that is junk, you know, they just put their name on it cause they can sell a product. But as you guys say, and as I want to reinforce to anyone that's listening is like, because you guys literally run your own shops and you're using this product yourself, you know, it does matter. And that, and that matters to me. I know that if, if you guys make an alteration, you're making it cause you noted it needed one, you know, and, uh, or if you right. say, Hey, I would do this, this is the best technique for this. It's cause it's working for you. And I don't have to second guess it on my end, you know, um, other than shop conditions and things like that, which I, I think are also always things you guys hit on too, is you have to pay attention to that. I know you had uh, you know, uh, talk to me over the summer when I was experiencing my first, uh, not having air in this big, huge shop we have and suddenly realizing that our shop was like 90 degrees when I walked in and I was not sure how at all I was going to be able to work with the same mix and the same conditions. And we did get around it, you know, using ice and throwing in a bunch of uh, temporary air conditioning, but, um, you know, I, I can always rely on you guys for an answer. And that's been a huge thing. Yeah. yeah, we do thank this you. for a living. I'm in my shop today. It's the weekend. I'm here today building forms that I got to cast on Monday. This is what I do for a living. I just had a pallet of Maker Mix delivered yesterday. This is what I do for a living. So we're, we're not salesmen. And the other thing that unfortunately is pretty common in this industry, but I'd say every industry, it doesn't matter which one it is, but specifically this one, because the churn rate, the turnover rate is so high, is there's a lot of false conveyance of experience so there's companies yeah. selling stuff they're like oh i've been doing this for 20 years and in my factory i used to do this and it's like no you didn't because <laughs> i was around 20 years ago i know what you were doing 20 years ago it was not this i know what you're doing 10 years ago i know what you're doing five years ago and so when they say these things you know me and john are over here like shaking our head like what huh Ugh. i know this isn't true but unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. guys like you that are newer to the industry, you came in after that, you hear them say that, and you're like, huh, well, they know what they're talking about. He's been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of that. And so until you have some time doing this and you kind of root out who is who and who actually knows what they say they know and who actually has experience they say they have, then unfortunately, you know, you're going to probably buy some products that aren't everything that you think they are or they're, you're, you're told that they are. I'm not a ride for the brand kind of guy unless we see the merit in it. Cause again, everybody needs the money they have. Right. And, uh, nobody should be wanting to give away their hard earned money. And so I feel like, so another reason why I'm vocal on, on your Facebook posts or other things is because I do want folks that may be considering trying it. And as you say, try a bag or whatever, you know, see if you like it, you don't have to buy a whole pallet. Um, but yeah, I mean, we jumped in cause I knew I had the confidence in you as a, you know, as a person in this industry with the experience you had and it hasn't let us down. And that's what two summers ago now, I think, uh, maybe, um, or a summer ago, at least when we got that first big rig coming out of the East and, uh, that was with your first batch plant. So, um, this last order we made with the two pallets, um, through the E ship and stuff too, went nice and smooth. It's sitting on the dock right now, waiting for me to decide my back is ready to pull it all <laughs> off the pallet. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> you brought, I'm glad you brought that up was yes, you bought our mix way back in the day when it was a previous blender, a much yep. smaller blender. And you know, for a small blender, they do the best they can. But when we switched over to Solomon, which is no secret, they're our blender now. They have 
much, much more sophisticated and more robust mixing equipment. And so it's a much more thorough blend. And the mix itself improved dramatically when we made that switch to having Solomon do our blending for us. Because right. it's just, it's equipment, you know, it's millions of dollars of equipment to, to blend and bag this that as a small company, we could never invest in. So it's great that we have them as a, as a partner. But that greatly improved the mix, the workability, the usability of the mix. But secondly, you've been with us from the beginning. So in the beginning, we used to handle freight logistics and booking freight, but we didn't get good freight rates. And it was very frustrating because we had to, you know, kind of hunt down tracking numbers. By the time we actually got a tracking number, it was usually delivered by then, you know, so yeah. it, was, it was always this whole thing. But by switching to e-shipping, now the customer handler, handles their own freight. From everything we've heard, and you're one of the people that made a comment, it's been a pretty painless process. It, it was, um, you know, I can say I went, I went on the website, I, you know, ordered it, um, through the Kodiak pro website. So, um, and, uh, I put two pallets on there and email you get to confirm your order. It has your instructions that you guys wrote out saying, here's how you coordinate, you know, um, getting the shipping done and, you know, two ways to do it. And, uh, you know, one of those is, of course, to use your own freight account if you have one, you know, which some guys do. And I'm about to get one with FedEx just because I'm I'm actually uh, shipping stuff out lately on pallets. And I found out that if I have an account, it wouldn't be six grand. It might be two grand. <laughs> and if I don't have an account, I could be looking right. at six thousand bucks for the same thing just for not having an account. So um, but the e-ship. Um, they, uh, I contacted them, uh, the next day I thought to myself, oh yeah, I have to coordinate, you know, that shipping. And I wasn't sure, you know, so I reread your email. I sent an email to, um, Mike Wiggins and, uh, within literally 15 minutes and I'm sure it'll depend on the time of day guys do it, but you know, he responded back and, uh, you know, within that, that day they had coordinated the pickup from Solomon and, uh, had already told me that it's picked up and had offered me, you know, seven different, um, freight quotes, you know, and said, do you care for any of these companies more than the other, or, you know, days wise, you know, three days, four days. And I said, no, four days is fine. And any of these companies is fine. They're all in Albuquerque, just have them bring it to the hub and I'll come get it from there. And, uh, away they went and, uh, no upfront payment to them either. They bill, um, seven to 10 days after they, they ship. So, um, you're not even out upfront the, uh, freight money, um, if that matters to folks. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a super sleek process. And like I say, it's been sitting on the dock for about five days now. Um, I just called the confirm because uh, I didn't quite need it yet, but um, it went super slick and and couldn't have been happier. And now I have an account with them. So as they email back and tell you, you've got an account now, so you can coordinate anything you want through us. And, uh, you know, from here on out. Yeah, you'd probably be better suited. You said you're shipping outbound using FedEx Freight. I've had a couple nightmares with freight over the years, and one of them was FedEx Freight. They um, tried to they picked up a sink from me in Arizona and tried to deliver it to a client, I don't know, in New York. And it was right. a big erosion sink. And when it arrived to the client, he called me and said, hey, dude, did this come in a crate? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> He's like, well, they're just trying to deliver the sink. And it's like face down in the back of a truck. Oh, I was like, man. yeah, no, reject that. Like, reject the, <laughs> the delivery. So I call FedEx and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll have to send a adjuster out. You know, they have uh, six weeks to come out and do, a, do an appraisal oh. or an adjustment, whatever. So anyways, I have to remake the sink and they won't, they won't even process the claim for 
until the adjuster comes out. So I can't even get any money back. So I'm building this out of pocket, the second sink, building the crate out of pocket, paying for freight again. You know, I build the sink and, and ship it out. But I don't know, two weeks later, a FedEx truck pulls around my shop and the guy's like, hey man, I got a delivery. I was like, all right. <laughs> so he opens up the door and there's the sink. It's an erosion sink. Again, laying face down. And it has a FedEx ratchet strap, like a two inch wide ratchet strap. It says FedEx every six inches. FedEx, <laughs> FedEx, FedEx. It has a FedEx ratchet strap with like a one square foot piece of crate ratcheted to it, right? So they, they'd kept like a little bit of the crate and they'd ratchet it to it. I was like, dude, what the fuck is that? He's like, oh, there's your sink. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't leave that way. He's like, well, he's like, you, you know, do you have any proof of that? I was like, yeah, do I have FedEx ratchet? Do my ratchet straps say FedEx on them? Do you really think you would have yeah. taken delivery of this? So anyways, he drops it off. I had a little shop. You went to my shop in Tempe. I had to store that sink. They waited to the last day of the six weeks. They didn't show up at week five. The guy shows up because they're hoping if you don't have it, then your whole claim is dismissed. So, you know, it's on you to store this broken object until they show up. And so they literally waited to the very last day. And this guy shows up and uh, he's like, well, this is repairable. I was like, no, it's not. Like, you don't know my, my customers, the quality level. Yeah. I can't repair this. This slid on the uh, face down in a truck for, you know, 4,000, 6,000 miles, however long it was there and back. It's not repairable. Yeah. He's like, well, we're only going to honor like $400 of your claim. You know, it's like a $10,000 sink. We'll, we'll honor $400 because oh, it's nice. my opinion that you could repair this. Long story short is I would never use FedEx again in my life. I would never. Now, if I'm shipping a box, I use FedEx, but FedEx Freight? Yeah. Never again, man. Burn me once. So it looked like it, I, here's what I, my hypothesis is. It was going down the road, probably in Detroit, someplace with rough roads. The back yeah. of the truck popped open and the crate bounced out going down the interstate. Now, another FedEx truck was right behind him, semi. He ran over it. And then he's like, oh shit, I just ran over a crate. So he stopped and he backed back up over it again, right? Yeah. He gets down and he's like, uh, 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 we'll just, we'll try to deliver anyway. So it in the back of his truck and then takes it. That's what I think happened. <laughs> well, and he made a comment in his head like, well, it's eroded anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And well, the, there, there was zero accountability. And really any freight company, there's zero accountability. If it gets damaged anywhere in transit, nobody says anything. Nobody makes a note. Nobody says, hey, it arrived at our terminal, busted, which is insane. They should note that at that point. Yeah. And we're uh, like, we're getting into the evolution of starting to ship stuff out. We used to just work here, mostly in New Mexico. And if, and if I sold something into Arizona, we would drive it over ourselves. So basically it was in my care the whole time until it got to the client. And uh, now that we're actually shipping out, I'm, I'm getting a little more freaked out about, you know, how much not only time, effort, et cetera, it takes to package properly but our product, it can be pretty diverse. And so, you know, how to, how to make those, you know, properly. And I, I know obviously you put a lot of time in and, and a lot of guys have to understanding how to create the best way you can to hope for the best outcome. But it is abundantly clear when you get freight, we just bought a bunch of solar panels and batteries to upgrade our solar bank up on this land. And, uh, the panels when they came, um, I noticed the online invoice says, if you don't look at these, right. And you'll see that a lot, of course, you know, and, and we're going to add this to our stuff. If you don't look and note that there's a problem with the product, when you get it that happened during shipment, you're out of luck. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, if you don't note on the bill of lading, when they deliver it, then there's no, you can't, you can't follow a claim. 
Exactly. And that's rough when you can't see inside something, when you, when the delivery guy's dropping it and he's looking at you like, I'm good, right? I can go, you know, so you've got all these things. And so it, it is one of those things that we're seeing as, okay, it's more time consuming. Like when I'm getting ready to ship out something, even two or three pallets of, of product, I'm basically um, realizing it may take me a full day to package it properly. And that's, that's with what I'm doing, which isn't generally a crate, it's more strapping. And, you know, we have steel framing and stuff that goes around a lot of what we have that goes with the product. So all that stuff is basically clamped and bolted together already in a way that makes it kind of like they're picking up a big boulder. Um, and, uh, and yet I went with, uh, we had some really long frames that went on this last order out to California, North Carolina, and they were like eight foot long, uh, you know, steel powder coated, you know, uh, members and a bunch of them with some smaller stuff on top. So I built a custom eight foot pallet to, you know, accomplish what we needed. I asked them ahead of time, you guys have fork extensions. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get there and they come out to take it off with the short forks. And I said to them, dude, don't you want, you know, the, <laughs> the long forks to make sure you fully support this pallet? And, and no, you know, he, he was not, uh, you know, he was not going to do that. So he said, I think I can get it lifted with the short forks. And it just made me think about what's going to happen on the rest of the trip. Oh, you yeah. know? Basically, oh, yeah. you know, could get abused. Yeah. It's going to show up. So I'm telling all these clients that are kind of a new thing for us. I'm saying, Hey, look, this is some of our first freight shipments. So please be brutally honest about what you see when it gets there. Even if you don't mark it off and there's something wrong with it, just like give me feedback. Like was stuff like wonky? Was things falling apart by the time it got there? Because I feel like when I'm done here, I've got it strapped eight ways to Sunday um, and on good solid pallet foundations. But that doesn't mean I, you know, I know what's going to look like by the time it gets, you know, out there. And so, uh, yeah, it's, that's a whole nother field of, of, uh, learning obviously is, is how to ship your stuff properly so that it's, uh, right. a snowball's chance in hell of getting there. Well, I ship, I ship everything and I've shipped everything now for close to 20 years because when I was in Arizona, I shipped everything out of Arizona and now I'm in Arkansas and it seems like I ship everything to Arizona, but <laughs> it is what it is. That's the way, that's the way it works. But if you, Justin, because uh, you are such a great customer and, you know, me and John actually do consider you as a friend at this point because we've been in contact so much. But if uh, you do need some help with that, I'm happy to help you. I have a essentially like an Excel spreadsheet that I made a long time ago where I can plug in the dimensions of what I'm shipping and it spits out a cut list for cool. all my wood. Wow. And it's designed to use three quarter inch. Uh, I, I used to use plywood but plywood has gotten so expensive that i'd probably use osb but even that's expensive but yeah you know kind of my calculus is if i spend two hundred dollars on building the crate or the wood on building the crate and it saves me from remaking a ten thousand dollar item it was two hundred dollars well spent you bet insurance but i can send you that that spreadsheet and essentially you just measure what you're doing you do your cut sheet it's designed to have half inch foam on the inside all the way around and it's designed to be as tight as possible because when you're shipping anything you want it to not move Right. So as tight as possible. And then, you know, I put, I get them on Uline, U-L-I-N-E, Uline, for people who don't know what that is, but uh, they're shock watches and I put tilt watches or stickers that go on the crate that are indicators of damage. So if it gets dropped, the oh. shock watch will, the vial will break and, and it'll turn red. And if they tilt it over, if they like, you know, or what you're doing steel, it's not a big deal, but sometimes I'm shipping things that the crate has to stay upright. And yeah. if they flip it over on its back there's liquid in a vial that will spill out 
into this other one that's viewable. And then if that's full of red liquid, you know that they tilted it over, that it wasn't, it didn't stay upright. So I put no, those on, yeah, I put those on my crate. I initial them too, and I take a photo. So that was where I was going to go back with this whole story was with FedEx, that, that whole thing, that guy said, you can't prove it didn't leave this way. And he was right because I didn't take photos. Right. So now I photograph the piece going, I photograph the piece before I even put it in the crate from all angles. I photograph it going into the crate so we can show it wasn't broken when we put it in the crate. Then I photograph the crate closed up with the label with the client's address. And next to that is where I put the stickers from Uline, those shock watch and tilt watch. And I have a photograph showing that those are unbroken and unfilled and I have them initialed. And the reason I initial them is I have had crates show up that were obviously damaged, that the shock watches had been removed and replaced with new shock watches because uh, the freight guys have them in their truck. Yeah. And, you know, so the client sends me a photo. I'm like, yeah, that's, I didn't put that there. Mine was next to the label and that one's on the other side of the crate. Right. <laughs> so obviously they dropped that and broke the shock watch. So again, for me to prove that that wasn't the shock watch, I, I initial it with a Sharpie that it'd be really hard for them to forge that and take a photo of it. And when I do that, Murphy's law, you know, nothing happens. But the yeah. time that you forget to do those, all those steps and keep those on your phone till it's delivered and the client uh, unboxes the piece and sees everything's fine, you have to keep that stuff. Because if you don't, if you're like, oh, I'll delete these photos, it's good. Yeah. Then you're going to get the call. Oh, I, do, uh, you know, I opened a crate and everything's broken. That, that's a, yeah, we love Uline. I use uh, their metal strapping and bands and corner protectors and lots of that stuff and, and wrap. And of course, big 12 foot industrial shelves that, you know, we use to get things up off the floor, the pallet racks and whatnot um but love them but did not know about those devices and that's a fantastic thing because i i do think that especially guys that might just be starting out or have a smaller shop but even guys who are further along you know nobody has that much ability to absorb stuff being fouled up you know and not and especially not being able to recuperate it and even dealing with trying to recuperate the money you know um half the time you're gonna end up just saying screw it and making it again and you're losing you know and who's got time for loss like that you know so uh, yeah that's it's a also a level of professionalism so when the client gets the product when when clients get my crates i get lots of comments from clients like Dude, this crate is insane. <laughs> right. Because it is so precise. It's not a junky crate. It's not using old wood. It's not nailed together with a roofing nailer. It is a really nice, clean. It's like um, Scandinavian furniture. My crate, when it shows up, it's super minimal. It's super nice. The labeling is nice. I do the metal banding as well. You know, everything is very aligned and linear and even. It's not haphazard. But the shock watches and the tilt watches is just another level of professionalism. And it's those little details that when a client gets your product and, you know, maybe they paid, you know, $700 for the crate for my time to build it in the wood. Yeah. And they paid for the freight, which is another $700. So they paid $1,400, $1,500 for freight. But when it shows up, they feel good about that. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see why. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of, we talk about this in workshops, but 99.9% .9 of my clients will never meet me as a person. They'll never come into my shop. So their only interactions with me are things like that. It's my website, but it's also going to be the deliverable when it shows up. And I have to convey the value and professionalism that they hired us for at that moment. And that's how, that's how we do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's, that's fantastic. And I think too, um, just as a note for anybody that's getting into shipping for the first time, um, I gave some quotes that we were going to make product for this year that were delayed a bit. 
And I was quoting, you know, last spring, roughly, you know, at the time, the best uh, quote I could get offline. And uh, those things change over time. And so uh, just a a side tip for anybody who may be new to starting to ship like I am, um, you know, it can be pretty brutal when you get there to, to go ship out and find out, you know, it may cost you twice or three times your shipping cost and it's eating into your, your sale, you know? So, um, trying to stay up on that shipping stuff and have the right accounts and that kind of thing is certainly worthwhile. Cause, uh, it was an afterthought for me. I'm like, cool. They're ordering this much of, of our product and, uh, not so much, you know, the, the minutia of packaging it or how much it was going to cost to ship it at the time, you know, and, and the wood, I mean, the, um, as a side note, uh, the discussions that have happened with, uh, just what guys are using for sheet materials right now and stuff too, I think is all amazing, yeah. valuable stuff to discuss. Cause we got into the Baltic birch, you know, um, after I talked to you about what we could build mold bo- or form boxes out of to fill our, uh, rubber into, you know, around our master parts. And, uh, that stuff's been great, you know, and of course has a cost, but I've been buying pre-finished plywood, you know, from, I got some the other day at Home Depot just cause I needed it in a hurry, needed to not have to deal with some other things and ran in and grabbed sheets and they're 97 bucks a piece, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, oh. they jumped up dramatically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Six of those puppies. And suddenly, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, that, that, that's some money, you know, any big plans for Thanksgiving? Not at all. <laughs> I may even let uh, Whole Foods cook the turkey and uh, we're just going to, yeah, kick back in the mountains and eat. Uh, we do not live where we have any family. All my family's back in upstate New York. And my wife was an Air Force brat. So she has pretty much no clear attachment to uh, many folks. And my brother in law lives right in your backyard where his uh, uh, girlfriend, uh, maybe he'll marry her someday, is a hairdresser there in uh, Eureka Springs. Um, so, nice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So my oh, daughter, wow. yesterday at preschool, they asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said a hairdresser. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're doing uh, the same thing. We're, we're doing Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel actually has a pretty good, you pick it up the day before Thanksgiving dinner, and then you warm it up on Thanksgiving Day. But we've done it the last couple of years. Ah. No stress, no stress. And uh, it's good. So anyways, if you have a Cracker Barrel around you, you we can do. do the Thanksgiving thing. Yes, yeah, it's pretty good. I have to try that. Yeah. John, what about you? Any any big Thanksgiving? Yeah, see, you guys don't want to hear about me then. See, the holidays over here in my family is all about handmade, handcrafted. So every the pies, I mean, straight <laughs> through. So, I'm coming to your house. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> in fact, one of the, um, I wouldn't say it's a competition, but one of the things we'd also do every year is everybody has to bring a new dish, you know, whatever that might be, you know, something, yeah. new, some new creation so that we're not always eating the same, you know, cranberry turkey, even if it as, was as cooking it in a different way. As if that's not good. As if that's not good. That's it's Thanksgiving, so, bro. I know, but that that's what we do over here. And that's what makes it fun. But yeah, so. John well, also does 30 days of salad where he like comes yep. out with a different salad, which is it's not even salad. He's taking baked potato and putting some lettuce on top and calling it a salad. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. These it's are things that John does. Yeah, it's a steak <laughs> and it had a, a piece of spinach on it. So yeah, that was a, a steak salad. salad. No, yeah. we're all, so no, we are actually doing that. This, this, I'm not, starting during this, we're doing a, we're calling it 30 days of soups. 
So the idea, <laughs> different soups every night, you know, trying different Good things, gracious. different recipes, whatever the case. I don't know. That's just the fun stuff we do. All right, guys. Well, uh, I think this is a good ending point. If I don't talk to both of you before Thanksgiving, have a great Thanksgiving. You as well. Yeah, same to you guys. And Justin, yeah. uh, thank you for being a phenomenal customer and um, absolutely, you know, for your feedback over the years. And uh, yeah, we just we really appreciate you. Hey, I yep. appreciate you guys, and thanks for the time. Awesome. All You're right, welcome. take care. Thank you, Stephen. Have talk a good one. Bye. Bye.